Welcome to the Tech Today podcast powered by CEO Raider. It's your host, John Maeda. Let's level set here on, on content. For those of you that play in the pharmacy benefit management space, CVS Health. CVS Health merged with Aetna, if you recall, back in November 18. And former Aetna CEO Mark Bertoloni sat on the, the board of the combined company and resigned last week. We wrote about this at Tech Today. And his contention was that he was forced off the board and that contrary to what the company says publicly about the post-deal integration, that the integration isn't going so smoothly. And when people talk about this space, they talk about CVS, they talk about Walgreens, they talk about Optum, they talk about SS&C on the DST side, which has since been rebranded SS&C Health. The company that a lot of people don't talk about, there's actually two of them. Walmart plays in this space, but the one that I think is going to be the real disruptor, which you don't have to be a genius to arrive at that conclusion, is Amazon by way of its PillPack acquisition a couple of years ago. And then if you factor in Amazon's joint venture effort with Berkshire Hathaway, J.P. Morgan, to create a health services provider or health insurer, through which I'm sure Amazon will also infuse with its pharmacy benefit slash PillPack technology. That's the real disruptor, because at some point that, that effort, which initially will be limited to Amazon, J.P. Morgan, and Berkshire employees, is going to, I believe, roll out beyond that that cohort and go national and that's when you feel you're going to feel the real disruptive power of that platform just given the the scale and given the fact that they'll get the technology right PillPack already has largely and if you're a company like CVS which isn't a technology first company despite the public spin you know during earnings calls and media interviews and so forth these legacy players are going to struggle with the technology end same goes for Walgreens. So that's one to keep your eye on. You can find that at Tech Today Now. We published an article entitled Insider Selling and Share Repurchases, a Corporate Governance Problem. This is a problem that started right around the time when I left the, left the investment banking industry. So call it 2010, 2011, 2012 is when these share buybacks really started to pick up steam. And investors like them because they provide a floor on the stock. What many companies will do, what was common practice back then, what still is common practice, is many companies will institute a share repurchase program. They'll also pay a, a small dividend, and they'll conduct M&A. And those are sort of the three legs of the stool in terms of deploying capital. You know, we've talked about in this podcast, we've written previously at Tech Today, that we're not fans of share repurchase programs for, for technology companies in particular. Much prefer that you deploy that capital into the business, product development in particular, create new intellectual property, enhance the intellectual property that you already have. You know, product is never complete. It's an iterative process over time. So we'd much prefer that technology companies, software companies deploy their capital on product development, on smart acquisitions. Share repurchases give those investors who aren't long-term investors a reason to get out. If you want to reward investors over the long term, reinvest in the business, number one, and number two, pay, pay a dividend. So you're rewarding investors for holding onto the stock. You're not giving them a reason to get out. And then you have this corporate governance problem, which is becoming more of a problem. We called out Copart, which is an adjacent, not a direct competitor, but sort of an adjacent competitor during my time at Solera Holdings. And I just picked them because they were on a file, an extract from our CEO Raider database, and they were just kind of at the top. And uh, I think it was the New York Times, maybe it was the Wall Street Journal, ran an article on Copart's CEO last week. So they were just kind of top of mind that I, I looked at them. And what you'll see is over the past several years, Copart 
has the the insiders, the executive management team, and, and uh, board members have sold stock, haven't purchased any stock, and they're selling into the share repurchase program. And we'll see how the share repurchase pattern shapes up over time here with Copart. But just to give you a sense, insiders sold $58 million worth of stock in fiscal year 18. There was not a share repurchase program, or at least Copart did not repurchase shares in fiscal 18. Fiscal 19, insiders sold $43 million worth of stock. The company repurchased $365 million worth of stock. In fiscal 20, insiders have sold $50 million, $29 million of which was from CEO Jason Adair, and the company has yet to repurchase any shares we'll know once Copart files a 10Q for the quarter. So it's sort of TBD on the quarter. Another one that we looked at was Cintas, and we've yet to do a, an analysis on insider selling. But in terms of the share repurchase program, the you know, company repurchased $21 million of stock in fiscal year ending May 2017, and I think the stock closed the year around depending on where you look at you know, here at the graph, let's call it a buck 20-ish. Fiscal 2018, Syntas repurchased $127 million worth of stock. So an additional $100 million on the buyback. And the stock closed the year around 200 so substantially more expensive than the previous year. I don't have the average repurchase price. But point being, from year to year, the company significantly ramped up its share repurchase activity even though the stock price was accelerating. And then in fiscal 19, so this most recent year ending May 2019, Syntas repurchased $1 billion worth of stock. So up from $127 million in 2018, repurchased $1 billion worth of stock in fiscal year in May 19. And the stock was north of 200 and it's currently at about 265 So again, point being, stock gets more expensive and the company increases its share repurchase activity as the stock gets more expensive and is increasing it by a multiple of you know almost 10 from uh, year over year 2019 versus 2018. I don't know. Is, is that the best use of cash in an industry like Syntas plays in, which is just dying for some infusion of technology? Cryptocurrency, we put out a note just to sort of put a bow on Intercontinental Exchange, ticker ICE, and the fact that it passed on the, the eBay deal on its earnings call last week. And if we recall, our point of view was we believe that ICE would crypto-enable eBay were it to consummate a deal. Uh, on its earnings call, ICE said you know eBay didn't want any part of exploring talks. ICE has since dropped pursuit. ICE also made an acquisition to beef up its cryptocurrency effort with, with its, its boxed platform. We're going to spend more time publishing content around crypto. I think you're going to see a lot more around crypto. I would think that if Facebook successfully rolls out Libra this year, as as was the plan, I think, I believe that eBay would make sense for Facebook to bring that marketplace inside of the, the Facebook umbrella, crypto enable it, uh, infuse Libra capability. And now you have uh, additional revenue sources that you can introduce to, to eBay. You have cross-border payments, you have cryptocurrency FX, you have prospectively new participants on the platform that would trade in crypto. And so uh, despite the fact that MasterCard and Vodafone have pulled out of out of Libra, I think Facebook will continue to push forward on the initiative. And the floodgates open, right? I mean, ICE has a has a platform for digital currency effects through BACT. 
the CME has a Bitcoin initiative, so it's, it's, it's not going to, digital currency activity is not going to shrink. It's only going to grow over time. So better to embrace it than to ignore it. So that's crypto. We have some content up on tech today about, about that. What else have we written about? We just put out a piece about Jeff Staley. This, this is sort of uh, less tech today, more CEO rate, or more corporate governance stuff as it relates to this Jeff Staley news item that broke that the British authorities are investigating he as it relates to Staley's past relationship with recently departed sex offender Jeffrey F. Epstein. And, you know, it, it just, it's kind of comical that, that the, the dramatic Epstein content gets all the attention when if you look at Barclay's performance under Staley uh, he came on board in December 2015 this was a, someone who was mentored to a degree by Jamie Dimon who I think is the best the best banker in financial services CEO of JP Morgan Staley's been a disaster at Barclays and so he's been an, a, a disaster from an operational standpoint which is translated into the stock if you pull up we did a little comparison in a note that we published comparing Barclays to JP Morgan compared to the S&P 500 dating back to the beginning of Staley's tenure. So the stock is underperformed. Uh, operating performance isn't great. Probably not the most creative guy. would like to see them, all these banks do a lot more as it relates to technology. I think J.P. Morgan leads on that front. So a poor operator, and then he's shown poor judgment. 2017, Barclays had a whistleblower. Staley, on a number of occasions that was reported, tried to figure out the identity of that internal whistleblower. That's just... It's a no-no, and that's that's common sense, right? And then you and, and then you find out Staley maintained a relationship with with Epstein after Epstein's initial conviction. So just poor judgment, lack of common sense. He's not a good operator, and you've got five years worth of history. So question is for the board. You know what more do you need? You know the the the, the, the Headlines now are on Epstein, give you an excuse to get rid of him, as if he didn't have an excuse before. So just another example of another sleepy board, another mediocre CEO, and a mediocre uh, board of directors. And investors need to hold these board members accountable, regardless of the industry, regardless of the company. Make board members work for their compensation, as opposed to just checking into the meeting once a quarter, not having any questions playing around the golf and going home because that's what happens. I've been in the meetings. And then a teaser, the piece we're working on, I don't know, it'll either go out tomorrow or it'll go out first of the week. It's entitled Go Vertical or Go Home, where we talk about a number of technology companies, software slash information services, and we contrast vertical market leaders with at-risk horizontal players. And sort of the theme is that it's different than it was 10 or 20 years ago, the world of software, the world of technology, where the, the large platform players, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, they could afford, and to a lesser degree, SAP and, and Oracle, they could afford to go to market and take a horizontal approach, roll out a product or service that addresses multiple uh, industries, multiple end markets. For example, a piece of workflow software like uh, Microsoft Teams, right? But then if you're an upstart, you know, if you're one of the reasons we just did not like the idea of um, Slack and its IPO was, well, you know, how are you going to compete against Teams? And Microsoft tried to kill Slack right out of the gate, right out of the, the IPO. So if, if you're going to attack a horizontal offering from one of the large platform guys, then you better have a, a wrinkle to your go-to-market strategy, a differentiating element or elements to the product, the features and functionality that are compelling enough to keep these large platform players at bay. Right, so if you're Slack, if you're Box, if you're Dropbox, how do you differentiate versus Microsoft? 
you know, if you're an infrastructure software guy, like a Datadog, like a ServiceNow, like a Splunk, as more and more of those services increasingly get pulled into the cloud, and I'm talking about the large platform guys, AWS, Azure, GCP, even Oracle to a degree, as these large cloud platforms roll out advanced capability around IT service management, uh, embedded, broadly defined artificial intelligence, right? Machine learning, deep learning, NLP. More and more is, it, is getting, more and more of those uh, advanced services are getting baked into the platform cloud offering. And so these, whether it's the content management companies that I mentioned a moment ago, Box, Dropbox, Slack, whether it's these uh, version 2.0 infrastructure management companies, you know, it, it, it's got to be more than a, a slick user interface that's your defense against the large platform guys. You better have a compelling, sustainable, differentiating uh, go-to-market strategy and product strategy to keep these large platform companies at bay. So that's a bit of a teaser. Keep an eye out for, for that note at, at Tech Today in the next day or so. That's all for now. See you all next time.